0: Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Chad Ford, and my guest today is the Athletics' John Hollinger. Back to talk about what I'm referring to in this podcast is Big Board Wars. And John should be pretty familiar with this. You know, we we have all these big boards and these rankings, but they're not definitive. They they change from person to person, and even as you go into NBA teams, uh, a scouting staff, not everybody is going to have players ranked the same, and sometimes wildly different. And and that leads to robust conversations about players being ranked too high or players being ranked too low. And we're going to do the same thing. John and I have kind of compared our big boards, and we're going to talk about some players that we think are too low or too high. But, John, I want to kick it off by you have this experience working in the Grizzlies. What was this like? Because I think from the outside in, you know, fans sort of think of teams as monolithic, like they, they all sort of think a certain way. But there can be a lot of disagreement between general managers, scouts, and sometimes even the ownership gets involved.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my own experience in Memphis was that we would bring everybody together kind of uh, late in the process. And we would try like as a staff, you sort of put guys in tears through the course of a season just so you understand who's a priority to see. But then the real battle doesn't begin until like you get together in a room and, you know, around the Combine. Uh, either before or at, right before or right after usually, and really hash out where you have these guys ranked and why and make your arguments for players. And everybody has their own feelings on it. And even, uh, you know, even within staffs, we weren't monolithic, you know, like the, the scouts didn't have all have the same take. Um The, you know, the analytics guys didn't all have the same take, you know, they had their opinions on players too. And uh And so it it was, it was interesting and, and fun. Uh, It it was actually like preparing for the draft is probably one of the most fun parts of the whole thing uh, to me, because you, you know, you really go into depth on to, into why this player is interesting or not interesting. And you get into his background and whatnot. It's, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that you can only draft two guys and not kind of get graded on your whole board. You know, I wish exactly. I mean, we definitely had some drafts where I wish we could have been graded on our whole board rather than on our picks. <laughs> but, you know, that's not how it turns out. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's, but but it, I guess the the main takeaway is that teams aren't monolithic at all. That What you see on draft night is the sum of several individual opinions that could be all over the place.
0: What's the, I'm putting you on the spot here. What was the wildest disagreement that you saw in, as far as like, big gap uh on a player where you know some people like really loved them and other people were like no it can't
1: play at all uh wow uh i'm, tr- I'm trying to think back now just to somebody where
0: where people was it Dylan really brooks? just
1: no it, it wasn't had, like there, number
0: three on your board no no there and, there, there,
1: there were there, there were arguments about dylan brooks but that that probably wasn't the most uh Probably wasn't the most uh, profound one. Uh, g- generally, a lot of our arguments ended up being about like twenty-three-year-old guys that that some people really liked, and uh, I guess some people on the more numerical side were kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know about the odds on that one." Um, so that we we had a lot of debates on on guys like that. I'm, tra- I'm trying to think if we had any any, any real like. Any ones where where people were really like, no, I just don't think this guy can play at all. Uh, I, I, you know, where somebody else had like a top. I don't think it ever quite got that extreme. You know, it's 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 funny in a sense because we'll be arguing and be like, oh, I hate that guy. Oh, I love that guy. And you go back and you realize, well, one guy had him sixteenth and one guy had him twenty second, and that's what they were arguing about. You know, we're all looking at the same players at the end of the day, basically.
0: I think there's going to be some of that again today. Uh, John and I are, are g- going to look at our boards, and sometimes there's not that big a gap. And with a couple of guys, th- there may actually be, and we're going dive to dive into that. I want to start quickly, and, and we're not going to spend much time on this, on the top five, because there's a remarkable consensus in almost every team that I talk to right now on who the top five players are in this draft. I think you and I have the exact same top five. I'm not sure about the exact order, uh, whether it's the same, I've got Cunningham, Mobley, then Suggs, uh, then Jalen Green, and then Kaminga. That's that's my top five right now. I know you have the same five guys in your top five. Is it the same
1: order? I have them in the same order right now. I still, um, you know, I, I need to take my second lap through the tape. And and sometimes you see things a little differently when you kind of go back through. And I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, especially rewatching the G league season. I think it might change some things about how I think, but uh, I haven't had a chance to do that yet. My, so right now I would say if you held a gun to my head today, yeah, that's my top five.
0: I had Brian Shaw on, on the podcast last week and, and he, he did a pretty great sales job on Jalen green that had me uh, rethinking some things. And I, and I know part of that is a coach's, a coach's job. Uh, he's, he's recruiting, uh, next year for G League players, it benefits him when those players uh, go high. But also, Shaw was a 14-year NBA veteran. Uh, uh, you know, a, a head coach in Denver, um, coached Kobe uh, for a while, and uh, and some of the things that he was describing in that podcast about work ethic, approach to practice, uh, you know, approach to big games. Uh, same thing made me want to go back and watch the tape one more time on him because. Uh, uh, you know, this is this is a guy who's coached Paul George. He's coached a lot of young players, and and was putting Jalen Green in that in that category. So he may be the one intriguing to me. You know, Kaminga is interesting too because I think you see the massive potential in Kaminga, but he has the scariest floor of of those five guys, which is why I think he probably ends up five. He he by far is the riskiest of those guys.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think if. If something was going to happen to those rankings, the most likely things I think happening would be either Green moving up or Kaminga moving down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Some sense could Green jump to three or two, maybe. You know, when people go back and look at things, could Kaminga slide to like six or seven, maybe. You know.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that because I'm not sure that anybody else is cracking the top five. but maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, you've got a guy or or two that you think is going to do that. But Jalen Green moving up to to three or two, that that to me seems the the one thing that could move, especially when we figure out uh, how the lottery is going to play out and. And, and who who is picking where? You're pretty comfortable right now. Cade Cunningham's going to be number one in this draft, no matter who gets the number one pick.
1: Boy, it sure seems like that. I mean, the the thing is, there's nobody who's going to be like, well, that's not a need for us because everybody wants big wings who can handle the ball and make plays, and even the teams that have one want another one. So that, I just don't see a scenario where it's like, oh, well, because we have this guy, we can't take Cade Cunningham. You know, that that seems right to me. And as you just look
0: at the the, the teams that are most likely. To be drafting in that spot right now, Cade Cunningham just as it, it looks like it's going to be uh, a fit. Let's talk about a guy that I uh, that you said I had too low. I have him number nine on my board. He's number six on your board, so there's not a huge disagreement here. But it also seems that maybe if you're referencing Kaminga sliding down, then this is the player that 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 might slide up, and that's Scotty Barnes uh, out of Florida State. Uh, why do you think he's the sixth best best player in this
1: draft? I mean, I when I Analytically, when you go back through the the things the things that you should look at the most are actually the non scoring categories, and Scotty Barnes is awesome in all the non scoring categories, and so that I guess makes me less worried about his lack of uh, scoring capability at Florida State as a freshman, which I, I is a legitimate concern, right? He wasn't a great shooter, didn't seem to have a like super great feel for finishing inside the paint. Uh, but he's just so skilled in other ways that I, I history says that that's the way to bet uh that that he can that he can get the rest of this figured out and when you look at especially his size elite defense at six nine i mean to put him on point guards like he's he's like that five tool defender that all these switchable teams want now that i see i it's interesting he said he graded out in all
0: of the categories because he was a pretty poor rebounder Uh, for a player his size and now some of that was a system that he's playing in and and he wasn't much of a shot blocker either
1: yeah i guess i'm i'm attracted by the uh by the steals and assists and i I was i guess i'm grading him not so much on his size on his position uh Hmm. you know i'm looking at him as a perimeter player with high rates of rebounds and blocks for a perimeter player but yeah if you're using him as a six nine four then you know then then maybe it doesn't grade out as well definitely That's uh, that's a fair point
0: Definitely, you know it's going to be interesting to see what position he plays. I mean, it sounds like you're projecting him as a as a point or as a wing. Where,
1: where do you project him? As? I project him as a wing. Yeah, I, I I never project like the oversized guys as point guards. Usually, that ends up being more of a matchup thing. And and even if the guy plays on the ball a lot, there's usually another point guard out there because. Like you're 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 just too slow end to end. If 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 you're counting on a six nine guy to be like the guy taking up the court every single time, um, you know, unless he's LeBron James, maybe. It's it's interesting. There there
0: are a few NBA teams that I've talked to that are very very high on him and and crazy. The names that were invoked: it's Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, Kawhi Leonard, Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, th- those are big shoes to fill. Uh, especially for a guy who's a freshman uh, who not only wasn't an efficient scorer, but at times didn't really seem that interested uh, in, in scoring the basketball. There, he was so interested in getting other players involved and doing all those other things. There didn't seem to be that um, uh, that drive in him to just take over a game and score the basketball. That That's the one thing that I, I think if you're going to knock him, it, did you see that? Uh, you know, talking to folks at Florida State, uh, asking them, okay, what about practices? What about scrimmages? Did you see that? Not really. I mean, he he was the best player on the floor for their team all the time, but that's that's not really his game. And so that that'll be interested in how that translates out um, at the next level if he's not because he he
1: clearly looks like he has the ability to do it. Yeah, you see little flashes here and there, but then just you know another intonation. 20 then another 20 minutes goes by right you don't see it again another little
0: side note on him he was teammates with Cade Cunningham and and so uh you know being able to play uh on the ball as as a point guard was really not something that he was doing in high school because Cade Cunningham was on uh, on your team as well and so you were actually seen at Florida State really the first time that that was his his primary role uh at at Florida State, so another sort of interesting growth development there. Um, man, what a what a what a what a team that was! Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh,
1: Just from random high school kid walking out for a game, and Kate Cunningham and <laughs> Scotty Barnes are on the other team.
0: <laughs> these these six seven six nine you know point guard ball handlers, uh, crazy. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna now go to your column uh, when we come back. Uh, Because you talk about the international players being just almost uniformly underrated. And so when we come back, we'll talk about a few other guys that John Hollinger thinks I have too low on my big board. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And... If you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody they're reliably low they offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto and we're back. If you haven't had a chance yet to check out my new website and newsletter, www.nbabigboard.com. You're gonna find our newest mock draft, our first mock draft of the year just dropped. Uh, Big Board 4.0 is there. We've got tons of player cards. Recently, have written about the international draft, the G League draft. I have an interview with Brian Shaw. Lots of great stuff over there. NBABigBoard.com. Give us your email. Subscribe today. And and if you if you're so inclined, uh, you can you can pay us uh, for our work. It's seven dollars a month. $70 a year. We're going to start increasingly having premium subscription only sort of stuff on the site. Uh, so get in now. We actually have a, a pretty good deal, 20% off discount, www.nbabigboard.com. Talking big board wars with John Hollinger. We're comparing big boards today and looking at where we see significant differences. we talked about our top five, which we didn't see any differences. Scotty Barnes, which is a small one, six to nine, isn't isn't that big a deal, especially when I would kind of put you know six through ten or eleven kind of in a in a in a similar tier right now. But let's talk about a guy that I think is is a bigger deal. Uh, both of us wrote about international players in the last week. I, I wrote about uh, some scouting of some international prospects. John also wrote and said that they are sort of uniformly underrated i think josh giddy and i
1: we you and i probably i think we say i think he's properly rated right now i I think uh, he's he's probably the one that
0: yeah i'm not sure where he is on yours but i I think we kind of see eye to eye on him but Alpernan Singun out of turkey 26th on my board okay you had him as your number one international prospect i believe yeah uh you you see him definitely as a lottery pick right yeah that is that accurate yeah. How high? How, we're, we're, I, I didn't quite capture how high do you think Sengun should go in this draft?
1: I have him seventh on my board right now.
0: All right. So seven to 26, that's a major, that's yeah. a major, major shift. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so uh, John, go ahead and make the pitch for Sengun being a mid, really a mid lottery pick.
1: He's 18 years old and he's destroying a high level international league. Like, let's not overthink this, right? So that there are some weaknesses maybe, and and we should talk about those. And I think some of those weaknesses are what's dragging down his stock. But it's like, guys, like, you know, these we're putting like guys who average nine points a game in the SEC ahead of this guy. Like, really? Like, (laughs) come on. Like the, the history of guys who dominate an international league like this as a teenager, they they all make it. You know, there's like a zero fail rate with this. Now, at some some point, somebody will be the first. You know, but from everything we know about the background about this guy, I don't. I don't think it's going to be like off-court stuff that derails him either. And I mean, just an absolutely dominant season. And the Turkish league is good right now. I mean, it's probably you got Fenerbahce, you got um, Efes. Like you're playing against high-level, high-level teams over there. So other than the ACB in Spain, it's probably the best domestic league right now. In Europe, and he's the best player in the league. So here was my reaction when I read that: one, not
0: surprised because you're right; he's putting up historic numbers for an 18-year-old, and so I could see from an analytics point of view why why he pops at his age. And you're right; you know, maybe other than the ACB, this might be the strongest league um, in Europe. So it's no joke what he's doing um, out there every night. But then to hear John Hollinger. Uh, make the case for a undersized, old-school, back-to-the-basket, not-particularly-athletic big man, uh, when part of the theme that we've talked about over the last couple of years is the NBA going away from that, rotating away from those type of prospects, those type of prospects increasingly struggling uh, when they get Get to the league because the league has evolved in the way that they play. That was the thing that surprised me. I didn't. I didn't think that I would ever hear John Hollinger make this strong of an argument for a prospect because that's where he gets knocked, right? I mean, almost all of his stuff is around the basket. Uh, he he's not particularly quick laterally. He's he's a center, but he's what six ten uh, and and not particularly long. Uh, he. He doesn't shoot threes, which you can argue he shoots free throws okay, and maybe that part of his game is just not how, how his team in Turkey uses him, and he'll be able to develop that game. But talk to me about that, because that's that's where teams that have him in the 20s or 30s are, are knocking him. They're not doubting their production. They're just like, how does his game translate at the next level?
1: See, I think he's much less of a dinosaur. Uh, especially at the offensive end, because he can handle the ball. He has feel like he can pass, right? Like he, he, he knows how to play and, and make reads. You see him push the ball in transition. So I I think that part is vastly overblown. Like, yeah, he's a really good post player, but there's a lot more to him than just that. You see him attacking off the dribble and you see uh, the potential, certainly for him to shoot threes. I just think he's never had to shoot them in the situation that he's in. So I don't see him as, as like a Jaleel Okafor where all I can do is post up. Like, I don't see that at all. Uh, I, I think he's going to be really effective in any kind of uh, like short role or, you know, playing off the elbows, even like you could do a lot of stuff with him. Uh, so I, I think he's really skilled. Who uh, does he defend in the NBA? Uh, I, ideally the opposing coach. <laughs> Uh, so what I see, what I see from him at the defensive end, uh, is, uh, incredibly uncomfortable playing on the perimeter right now, which again, like he's, he's 18. He hasn't been asked to do that. Um, I don't think his feet are as heavy as say like a Luka Garza's. Um, but I think his technique is really bad. Like you'll just see him like, like lunge at guys and, and then he's toast. And like, I just don't think he knows what to do out there yet. And so Will will he ever be great on the perimeter? Probably not. But if he was, he'd be a top three pick in this draft, right? So I, I think like that's that's a weakness and that's a reason to push him down. But if he's you know like Kevin Love or like a, a more skilled version of Ennis Canner, like where does that player go in this draft? All right, compelling compelling pitch. It'll be interesting. One of the things about international
0: players uh, that we should point out is that NBA teams have been effectively barred from going overseas to scout them this year because of covid protocols the the nba has lifted those protocols and so i think one of the reasons because my board is primarily based off of you know picking the brains of nba scouts and executives that those players might be a little bit lower is that they haven't seen them in person yet there's a comfort level luckily uh, the european season is going to go on longer and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if there's some adjustments when when live scouting gets out there. Should we talk about Usman Garuba as well? Uh, 29 on my board. I'm not sure where he is on your board.
1: Yeah, I have him in the teens. Um, I, I think he's a, a really good uh, defensive player. I think he, he reminds me some of uh, OG Ananobi, where his his offensive skill is still coming around and is probably never going to be the focal point of his game. Um, although he actually had a huge game this week, uh, for, for Real Madrid, but you know, he came there and he was playing as a five, but at his side, like he's six eight two twenty, 220 Like, is he really a five? I don't think so. I like, but I, I think there's enough in him to play four in the NBA. And then maybe, you know, when you go to like your weird small ball alignment, you can play him at five a little bit, but I think he's eventually going to be able to stretch out enough to be a decent four at the offensive end and then add really high-level defense on top of that.
0: Yeah, that's the big question with him. It's it's pretty easy to project him defensively. He's got long arms. He's athletic. He's aggressive. He's He's already a terrific defender on arguably one of the best teams in Europe right now, Real Madrid, and playing, again, meaningful minutes there. It's the three points a game. Uh, you know average that i think makes teams wonder okay what what comes along offensively and you referenced the big game the other night where he had 24 points but that's a that's a major major outlier for him uh this season compared to what he's done now if he starts doing that then then we're talking about a very very different ranking for him as a prospect and you see that offensive game coming along do you, do you see the do you see hit the perimeter game coming along for him or
1: i i've seen enough where in the mid in the Teens, I'm probably willing to take the chance on it. Uh, You know, the shot, the shot, you know, they have him shooting a set shot three from the corner now, and it looks all right coming out most of the time. So, you know, can you build from that? Again, he's another guy who's pretty young. I mean, he's 19 years old, just turned 19 uh, last month. So, if you feel like he's, you still have a, l- a lot of runway to go with him.
0: We'll go ahead and do one more international player. This isn't meant to be an international podcast, but. Uh, but you know, John, John just wrote a great article on the athletic that you should check out. Um, Scouting the International Prospects. Roko Perkison, Another one of the youngest, one of the youngest players in this draft um right now, who's also putting up pretty good numbers in Croatia right now as an as a still 18-year-old. And uh, you know, sort of a classic NBA four. He's 6'9. Uh, does a little bit of everything maybe doesn't have that one skill that just jumps out of the page but pretty versatile forward
1: yeah he is um, you're probably betting on the come a little more with him given his age and the league he's in I mean the Adriatic League has produced a lot of talent historically it's not an amazing league right now uh, just because it's you know some of the best players have been picked clean by richer clubs in Western Europe but it's still it's still competitive and he's the, the best player on a not great team uh, as an 18-year-old, as a young 18-year-old, November birthday, he may end up being the youngest player in this draft. Uh, so he has that going for him. You, you, you just like the ability for his game to grow because he shows some feel as a passer. He shows some shooting ability, although there's some things in his shot you probably want to clean up. Um, defensively, uh, I think he's he can play fours. His ability to play on the perimeter at a high level, I think is still something of a question. And and so that's something the teams are going to want to delve into. And then you look at him with like his size, he's got kind of square shoulders and stuff. And you say, could he play five at some point? Like he's got a pretty high rebound rate, even as a perimeter player in Croatia. Uh, So so there's that aspect of it too. Let's do
0: one more on the two low category. Miles McBride. Uh, point guard out of West Virginia uh, who I have in the forties on my big board. Where do you have him right now?
1: I think he's going to end up cracking my top 25. Okay. Um, I, uh, I think he's got the makings of a pretty good role player. I think he's, I think he's pretty, sh- pretty sharp out there uh, on both ends of the floor. He's a good shooter. He's you're not, he's not somebody you're going to take in the lottery because he doesn't have that like high level explosiveness to be a, a, uh, you know, is he going to be one of the best three players in a good team? Like, I don't think so. He's, he's not that level of creator, uh, but a, a good, smart offensive player who can shoot uh, will defend his position. He's a little undersized, so you worry about that a little bit, especially if he's playing the two. But uh, I, I guess I see enough there, and I feel like it gets shaky enough once you get into the 20s that I think he becomes a good proposition at that point.
0: He's interesting to me as well like you said a little bit undersized not necessarily an elite athlete but really advanced passing skills I, I, really tough uh, I mean you, you know that's partly demanded when you play at West Virginia uh, that that you're gonna really grind it out on the defensive end uh, it, it seemed to me the one frustrating thing for him is this sort of penchant for taking two-point jumpers instead of uh, instead of threes uh, and, and and getting to the basket sometime he like he likes to pull up
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I I don't know if that's going to be a winning shot for him in in the NBA.
0: Right. He's going to have to he's going to have to either get it to the basket or or, you know, pull up at the three point line. That seems like that's one of his and that there's a lot of young players that have that that habit in 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 college that they're going to have to get rid of in the pros uh, where that that mid range jumper is frowned upon now um, throughout the league. All right. Well, when we get back, we're going to talk about players that John thinks I have too high uh, on my board. When we return, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk to you about my favorite protein energy bar. It's Built Bar. And the thing about that I love about Built Bar is it is the most delicious bar that you're going to be able to get it. It tastes like a candy bar. It's significantly more interesting to eat and taste than any other bar that's out there. It has a ton of of flavors. There's caramel brownie, there's cookies and cream, there's cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake is a favorite, um, carrot cake, apple almond crisp is one of my favorites. And then those those are the new flavors and there's like 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, that's another one of my, my personal favorites, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of them are covered in hundred percent chocolate. They're not chalky or hard. They're actually soft and easy to chew. Uh, they, my kids love them. I have to fight my kids to keep them away uh, from the built bars because they they think they're candy. And trust me, they have never wanted to eat the energy or protein bars that I've ever had before. I, I use them because I'm a runner, and and I love them because they give me uh, energy and they they have low calories, they're low sugar, uh, they're high protein, they're high fi- fiber. If you're on the keto diet, um, which some of my family members are, uh, it's, it's great as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built Bar. And we're back with The Athletic's John Hollinger. You can find my latest Big Board 4.0 and the new mock draft. 1.0, our first mock draft of the year over at my new website, www.mbabigboard.com. Give us your email. Subscribe uh, today. Uh, there are uh, some free articles that are there. And, and starting this week, there are going to start to become premium articles as well. It's $7 a month, $70 a Uh, A year. Uh, We're offering a little special uh, right now, 20% off. And I think it's going to be really great stuff throughout the year. Going to continue to get scouting reports, updated mock drafts, big boards, uh, reports as we get into the NBA combine. Go today over to www.nbabigboard.com. Give us your email, subscribe, and get tons of stuff that we don't even get to talk about on this podcast. www.nbabigboard.com. Big Board Wars. John just went through a number of players that he thought that I had too low on my board. Uh, we argued a little bit about that. Now we're going to talk about players that he thinks that I have too high. And and one at the top is pretty polarizing. Davian Mitchell uh, out, of, uh, out of Baylor wins a national championship. Elite defender. He's old. That's going to be one knock. I'm sure John's going to uh, point out already 22 years old. He's six on my board right now. John, where's he at on yours?
1: Uh, I'm in the mid-teens here. I think
0: I'm 16. 16th. And he has Jared Butler, his teammate. I have Jared
1: Jared Butler ranked higher. Yeah. Yeah. And I have
0: have Butler in the, I think, 18 or 19, I think, on my big board. So not a big gap there. But that's a a decent enough gap with Mitchell uh, that I think it's probably time for you to talk about your reservations of taking him as a, as a lottery pick, let alone a high lottery pick.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's old. So that's a, that's a factor. Obviously. Um, Was he 23, 22? He's Um, 22 right now. Okay. And he never shot well before this season. He still doesn't shoot well from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. So are you just buying an outlier year? I I think that's a legitimate question. Um, when, when, When you talk about the shooting, He's definitely improved as a passer, like makes, made some really high level reads, uh, especially in that championship uh, uh, run by Baylor, uh, defensively really good on the ball. No question about that. Uh, you know, he's, he's not that big. Uh, so you wonder about that a little bit, especially when he's going into the trees at, at the NBA level. And I, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I just don't see like these really high level outcomes. I think people want to compare him to Donovan Mitchell and I man, I don't see that. Uh,
0: that's interesting. You hear Donovan Mitchell. I think it, let's, let's talk about this is some of this, the psychology around being the best player, or one of the best players on a national championship team. Uh, and the NBA's love of winners, the love of grit uh, the love of you know the aggressiveness which uh, Mitchell approaches approaches the game. I mean, he clearly has a sort of alpha dog uh, approach approach to the game that 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 teams love, and just the fact that he was absolutely relentless as a defensive player, um, you know, all year. Is is that what we're facing here? Uh, is this sort of sheen or the shine that comes from winning a national championship? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely some of that. Although, I mean, he now he did a lot to raise his stock before that point, too, with without question. I mean, he was moving up people's boards the whole year. And that that defensive intensity, I mean, you love that. Um, l- like I said, I mean, he's a good passer, he's fairly athletic. Um, so like that that's why I'm like, okay, yeah. He's a top 20 player in this draft clearly. Like can I see him being an NBA rotation player? Yeah, absolutely. But as far as getting to like the high level outcomes, I guess I guess I just I just don't really see it. Like you you really go through his his season like he wasn't like a dominant offensive player even as a even as a senior in the Big 12. So I I just have a hard time seeing him get to that that anywhere near that point as an NBA player. I think some of the some of the pushback
0: on that is when you look at Three dominant guards on this team right now. You're not going to have one player that's going to be a dominant scorer when you have uh, Jared Butler on this team and Masio Teague um, as well. Three veteran guards who really shared the ball, and depending on the night, uh, you know, one one of those three was going to take over. Uh, it is a little bit interesting, though. Know, some of these prospects, like, you know, Cade Cunningham, there's nobody else on his team to really share that load. He's he's gonna carry that load. But when you when you go and look at like a Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga or or, you know, someone like a Davian Mitchell uh, at, at Baylor, one of the things you have to take, take into account is there was a lot of options on this team and he was
1: not asked to carry the team every night. Yeah. And th- th- the other way that cuts is, you know, the the other team's game plan wasn't completely focused on mm-hmm. him the way it was focused on, you know, Cunningham most obviously, or, or even Evan Mobley.
0: Yeah. V- very, very difficult as we learned to game for Baylor when they're healthy uh, as, as Gonzaga fa- found out if his shot fall, if his shot isn't an outlier, uh, and and he's going to shoot in the high 30s low 40s from 3 does that change your projection for him
1: I think it's easier to argue for him it, you know high, higher you know 10 12 something like that but i i guess it's i guess i still don't see quite the the high level outcomes that i see with like my top 7 guys especially okay I mean, I've, after that, this draft gets into crapshoot territory. So anything eight and on is sort of you can make a, a case for. I feel like. Let's talk about Kai Jones then.
0: Talk about talk about a roll the dice player. Uh, you know, he's twelve on my board right now. I'm not sure where he is on your board, but but that twelve comes with a huge asterisk in that uh, of the players that we're talking about at this level. It's all about projecting what he might become someday. When you look at that size and his mobility, uh, and his potential to guard uh, multiple positions, and you know the emergence of a perimeter game. Uh, but let let's face it, this he's a major work in progress. I don't think there's anybody that's going to argue that that he's anywhere close to coming and playing meaningful minutes in the NBA next year. And so you're drafting him based, you know, totally off what he might be down the road. It seems like you're not as bullish on what, what
1: that might be like. What, yeah. I mean, I, there, there's no floor at all here. <laughs> I guess that's the part that concerns me. Um, and like, I, I do think he's a first round pick. Like that defensive mobility is interesting. Uh, offensively, man, I just don't, I just don't know what, what there is I can hang my hat on. Like what, what is it that he's going to do? Um, and, and so that makes it hard. Uh, kind of a sad rebound rate for an athletic big too. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's another red flag, you know, historically, I mean, Texas hasn't always been the greatest place for like bigs to thrive. So we've seen some people come, come out of there and, and, you know, maybe, maybe do better than they did, uh, in college, but I, I gotta go back and watch more film on this guy, but I, yeah, I just, every time I watched him, I was like, like, what is, what is the thing I'm getting out of this? Where do you, where do you have him on your board right now? I uh, got him 20, I think. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. 20. It's not a, not a huge
0: leap there. i I've, I put his range at 10 to 20 and, uh, and the one thing I'll say about him, this is always a scary thing about prospects when teams love their upside, but don't seem like they want to be the one that takes the risk, um, the. the there's there's always a, a few guys like that in the draft like yeah, we love the upside but we'll probably pass on it uh, <laughs> those are the guys that slide on draft night yeah yeah and, and you know until <laughs> until the reward starts to outweigh the risk um it, it's certainly possible we have seen pr- prospects like this drafted high before uh you know thon maker you know other 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 players that sort of you scratch your head a little bit and say how did they get how did they get this high? And, you know, it's completely rolling on potential. It's interesting that Texas, both of Texas's players, Greg Brown, is sort of in this exact same same boat. Uh, he's he's much more of an electric athlete. I mean, he he might be the best athlete in this draft, you know, period, Greg Brown does, but also major, major questions about both the offensive and defensive end, what he brings to you other than that he can jump out of the gym.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm personally, I, I, if it was me, I would probably take Greg Brown over Kai Jones if those were the two guys left on my on my board, uh, and bet on that, uh, in part because he's a little bit younger and just just what I hear about the work ethic um, that he puts to the game. Uh, but uh, I don't, I'm not sure where you ended up with Greg Brown on your board.
1: I, I still have no idea what to do with him. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't have him high right now, but I also could make him make, make a like. I feel, I feel like. I feel like I could, I could put him at eight and justify it, or I could put him at like 80th and justify it. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I I don't, I just don't know. I don't, I, and there's some guys as you go through it, you, you, you watch and you tell, okay, I have a good feel for this guy, what he is like, and you just kind of put him in, put him in that slot mentally. And there's some guys you just have to keep watching because you just, you, you, you don't have it yet. And I, he's, I he's a like Rorschach
0: I, test. That's what yeah, I always say. Like is, you, you, can, pr- you can put on him whatever you want to put on him right now. Yeah. With that athleticism, uh, yeah. you can think of players that ultimately get it and thrive in the league. And you can think of players that were drafted for their athleticism and didn't ever do anything with it.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about one more uh, that John thinks is too high on our board. It's Sharif Cooper, the point guard out of Auburn, just an electric player. Uh, almost impossible for uh, teams to defend unless you just back off him and ask him to shoot, which he's happy to do uh, and miss. Uh, but he uh, can get anywhere he wants on the floor, but he's an undersized point guard, high turnovers, poor shooting. My guess is your analytic model uh, picks up on all that and and, and hates it. Um, what, what do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I <sighs> – from what I saw, I mean, he's a really good passer when he wants to be, without a doubt. Uh, can get into the teeth of the defense, but just, I, I just don't think he's enough of a threat to score at the end of the day. Um, I mean, even inside the arc, right? He shot 47% on twos. Um, he's, he's small, like you say. He's not an outside shooter at all. Everyone's going to go under against him. Uh, and then defensively, there just wasn't a lot there either. Uh, I think he's going to get cooked at that end. And so that to me, that's like, okay, backup ceiling, you know, here's a guy you take in the thirties. It seems like that's where we're getting with a lot
0: of the prospects, um, right now. And and maybe it's why you have someone like Jared Butler, uh, you know, ranked as high, as high as you do. I, I, you said he's in the late or the early teens with you late lottery 14th late lottery. Uh, you know, a guy that isn't necessarily particularly sexy, but he's young for his 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 class, uh, was was highly productive, shot the ball well, and has a stronger track record of shooting it um, than Mitchell. Uh, is this is this where is this where we go? And, and you know, I know that you uh, had Chris Duarte. I think I think for the first time, you may this may be the strange draft where you have an old school center ranked tie and a twenty four year old ranked. I don't know where he ended up. Where did Chris Duarte end up on your board?
1: I got him 21 right now. 21. And if he wasn't 24, he would be much, much (laughs) higher.
0: 24 is really hard to stomach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think he, I mean, he's old, but I feel like, I feel really good about him being able to come in and play right away at a position that's one of need in the league. And so I think he has value there, even if the the ceiling probably isn't quite as high as some of these other uh, one and dones but his floor is so much higher than the other guys you're putting him up against when, when after you get into the teens. Let's uh, let's end with the most important question. Okay, who is the Paul
0: Reed of of who's, this year's draft? And, and, I, and for listeners that weren't listening last year, John had Paul Reed uh, as a as kind of a late lottery guy on on his board the whole year. He ends up slipping, I think, to 59th. I think he almost slipped. 58. 58. He He almost slides out of the draft. And and then he goes into the G League and wins, right, G League Player of the Year?
1: He was G League MVP, yeah.
0: G League MVP uh, and still hasn't quite got it done in the NBA, but is playing on arguably the best best or one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference right now uh and isn't getting big big minutes right now. But clearly I think we can all agree that he shouldn't have lasted till the 58th pick in the draft. Um just just on his G League performance alone, uh John saw something here that that really nobody else nobody else saw. He wasn't on a lot of boards, everybody else. Is there anybody that's kind of popping up on your board right now, John, that you're
1: kind of looking at and saying, man, everybody is just totally off on this guy. I mean, the closest thing I have right now is probably Schengen where, where, I'm, um, you know, I got him probably 20 spots higher than most people. So he'd probably be the one guy right now. Um, if there's another one, it's probably further down the list where I have Nemius Kata of Utah state rated as a late first round pick. And I think a lot of people are seeing him as a late second slash undrafted guy. Um, yeah, Cade is 36th, 37th on my
0: board. Uh, I think maybe more people are seeing him than, than maybe the, you know, the media mock drafts are, just talking to people. But uh, interesting, given, given his production at Utah State, and you wrote an article about him as well. And uh, it, it seems like even, even at that rate, he probably should be higher, given what, we're, what the pickings are at this point in the draft.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we'll see, you know, like I said, I always like to take another lap through these guys um, after the uh, college season ends. And so, uh, you know, our, we're allowed to change our minds. It, you're, you're, you don't get extra points for having the right answers in January. It's, it's one of the things we always said it, in Memphis, you know, you can change your mind right up until draft day. It only matters that you're right on that day.
0: All right, he's John Hollinger. We'll bring him back uh, in a month or so when he's had more time to do that lap and see where he's changed his mind as we get closer to the NBA draft. We've got NBA draft combine coming up. There's going to be workouts. There's going to be other stuff, medicals, uh, information that teams start to get as well. John John probably will hear um, some smoke around that uh, as well, and that can always change evaluations as we get closer to the draft, really appreciate all your help today and, and comparing these boards and, and uh, John, we'll, we'll get back with you later on as we get closer to the draft. All right. Thanks for having me, Chad. It's John Hollinger of The Athletic. Check him out there and his articles. Uh, he just wrote something on international prospects in the draft, a lot of great draft stuff as well as NBA stuff and free agency stuff. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. <laughs>